0: Hello and welcome to the R Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua, I am your host, and today's episode will be the first real episode of Season 5. So Season 5 is going to be more of a, a Bible study format. It will be going through Scripture, but it will be focused on some specific themes, and that would namely be the relationship between the Christian and the state as well as the just the idea of how should Christians act in this world that is largely corrupt and immoral. And given all the things that have been talked about in the rest of this podcast, seasons one through four, uh, what do we do with that? How are we supposed to deal with that? And uh, last, I guess last season I talked about that a good bit, about the whole parallel society approach, and that as a strategy, that's been a theme that's gone through the past few seasons. And so I would still stick with that as far as a, a method or a strategy or a plan of, of how to act given the situation we are in. But we, we would really want that to be backed up, as Christians at least, by biblical principle and by actual scripture. And so we need to have a foundation for that Because without it, that's just another idea. It's just another strategy. It's just another thing that sounds good. It could even work well, but is it the right way to go? And so as a Christian myself, I believe that I should always use the Bible to check what I believe and how I act. And so that is what we would need to do given everything that uh, has been covered between seasons one through four. And so that's the goal for season five, is to start to dig into scripture and see uh, how these things are backed up, what light we can shed, what more details we can get into how to apply this strategy, how it relates to theology and to biblical scripture, all of these kinds of things. So, With that, the other big announcement would be that this podcast will likely be shifting to an every other week format instead of every single week because basically I've got a million things going on and don't really have time. Hence, it being two weeks between the last episode and this week. That will probably remain. I might be able to switch that back in time. We will see. But for now, that's the way it will need to be. And uh, the timing of each episode, I am really uncertain of, to be honest, I have no idea. We'll see how it goes because I have specific things and specific themes and subjects to cover in each episode. And so there might be a little more variation than normal in episode length. Uh, And that happens throughout. Some seasons are different than others. Uh, So that's another thing that might be a little bit different. We will see. Like I said, this is the first episode of this season, real episode at least. And so we'll kind of see how that goes and play it by ear. So with this first episode, we are going to start with one of the first stories in the Bible, and that would be Adam and Eve. I would love to start at creation, and there's a lot we could get into with the creation story, but because there's so much we could get into with the creation story, I'll start where we get a little more specific to the subject at hand, and that would be the story of Adam and Eve. So what I'm going to do is read a few sections of that story from scripture, and I am using the... Complete Jewish Bible as the translation. It's generally the one I like the most, even though, eh, like all else, it's not perfect. But I, I do like most of how they translate things and word things. So with that, let's start with Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in the likeness of ourselves, and let them rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the animals, and over all the earth, and over every crawling creature that crawls on the earth. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. He said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and every living creature that crawls on the earth. Then God said, Here, throughout the whole earth, I am giving you as food every seed-bearing plant and every tree with seed-bearing fruit. And to every wild animal, bird in the air, and creature crawling on the earth, in which there is a living soul, I am giving as food every kind of green plant. And that is how it was. Next is Genesis 2. Verses 15 through 17. Adonai, God, took the person and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. Adonai gave the person this order. You may freely eat from every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are not to eat from it, because on the day that you eat from it, it will become certain that you will die. The next section is Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal which Adonai had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you are not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You are neither to eat from it nor touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, it is not true that you will surely die, because God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it had a pleasing appearance, and that the tree was desirable for making one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then skipping ahead to Genesis 3.16-18. through 18. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase, and this is uh, God speaking. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pain in childbirth. You will bring forth children in pain. Your desire will be toward your husband, but he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to what your wife said and ate from the tree about which I gave you the order you are not to eat from it, the ground is cursed on your account. You will work hard to eat from it as long as you live. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat field plants. So that's the, I guess, the bulk of the story of Adam and Eve, and that's what I will be drawing from as we get into some of these uh, specifics that... Again, I am not doing a full elaboration of every single thing here. It is themed. It is specifically about the relationship between the Christian and the state and related topics and a parallel society approach to living, these types of things. So let's start off with, uh, I guess, Adam and Eve and what their job was. So Adam and Eve were created to rule over the earth and God's creation that lived on the earth. They had no relationship of obedience between themselves. They appear to have been equal. Eve was to help Adam, but in no way is it signified that Adam was to rule over her. And on the contrary, this is backed up by the stipulation of the curse in that God said that he was then to rule over her, that Adam was then to rule over Eve, which insinuates that this was not the state of affairs prior. This is a curse being placed as in it did not exist beforehand, and it's a curse, as in it's not a good thing. God was to be the ruler over man, and man the ruler over the rest of creation. So it could be said that within the family unit, there is a hierarchy of rulership, and that would be a part of the curse, it appears, but this is only the case after the fall, because again, it's part of the curse. Prior, it appears that there was a more idealistic dynamic of love and submission without that sense of rulership. And that's, again, just this inference that it didn't exist before the curse. The curse is a negative thing that occurred that God put in place. And so it seems that before that, it was more of God's ideal situation, and then a curse was introduced, and that changed it to the current affairs of the husband ruling over the wife. And so that is how it seems, at least. God was the only one with the knowledge and wisdom and right to rule over sentient creation. So man was to rule over all of God's creation that lived on the earth, but God was to rule over man. And God was the only one with the right to rule over man, and man was then just to rule over everything else. And then post-fall, post-curse, You also had this family dynamic and hierarchy of the husband ruling over the wife. And as you start to bring children into the mix, the parents ruling over the children. And so uh, there is this, I guess, sense of rulership and hierarchy that does exist within the family unit. But again, it does not appear that that was the original state of affairs. So if we look at it from this perspective, that God created the Garden of Eden as this perfect idealistic place, something more akin to heaven on earth, and that in the uh, final culmination of all time, that we will get heaven on earth, again, that very idealistic uh, setting where uh, on earth is like it is in heaven, then... Anything in between there is not uh, heaven on earth. And so it's not the ideal. And so on one hand, you could say that Adam ruling over his wife and that situation, that was part of the curse, meaning that is not a good thing. That was not the ideal. That was not the way it was. However, it is also the case that God is the one that changed it. And God himself said that this is the way it is going to be. So with that being the case, let's uh, compare that to Israel asking for a king. Israel having a king was not the ideal. It was not how things were set up under Mosaic law or before that. And so uh, you could make the argument, though, that, oh, well, God established that monarchy and he gave uh, stipulations and rules for how that was going to apply. That is true to an extent. And actually, I will cover that in a few episodes from now. But uh, the key difference here is that God is not the one that said, I will curse you by giving you a king. The people were the ones that said, we will put a king in charge of us. And yes, God did state some stipulations of, well, if you're going to do it, this would be the way to do it. But God was not the one that initiated that. God was not the one that established that. Some would argue that uh, Noahide law establishes government and that is another one that I'll go over, but uh, where I want to go with this is just that this very first dynamic that some people would extrapolate from that, that because there's hierarchy and rulership within the family unit, that that then is a pattern that extends to all of humanity and society, which, yes, you could make that argument, but as far as what is explicitly said and even what is implied in the context of the story of Adam and Eve is that this is just the family unit. This is very specific between the husband and the wife and you bring in the aspect of children where the other part of that curse is pain in childbirth and it does not appear that there were children before this time period, uh, but we really don't know, to be honest. And so um, this is... Uh, Where we are, where it's not the ideal, but this is the way God established it, kind of like uh, working from the earth. That's not the ideal to have to put a lot of hard work in in order to eat and survive. God had set the garden up in a way that they could just walk around and eat the food and survive just fine, and it was good. And that is the ideal, but that is not the reality of the world we live in today. As dictated by God. God was the one that chose that situation. So, that is very different than other examples when man is the one that created the situation. This is God creating the situation. So, we're not going to go against that. And that would just be uh, just a wise way of doing things. So, with uh, God being the only one with the, I would say, the knowledge, the wisdom, and the right to rule over humanity. Uh, This was one of the key aspects of the temptation in the garden as a whole, because man wanted this knowledge and wisdom and man wanted the ability to rule themselves instead of uh, these being solely in the hands of God. And that was one of the things that the serpent said is that, oh, well, if you eat this, you will be like God. That is always the temptation that man wants to be like God. We want to be gods. This was therefore a rejection of, of God's rule in the sense that they disobeyed and went against his law, but also in the sense that uh, there is this rejection of them attempting to take away God's role and rulership for their own use. So it wasn't just that they disobeyed God. It was that they tried to take away that role of God's and take it upon themselves and move that role from him to them. And so these are two different ways that that they rejected God, and that they uh, broke with this relationship between them and God. So even though God did create man to be in the image of God, they were to be image bearers and representatives, and they were to be Uh, Like God in that sense, that wasn't enough for them. They weren't satisfied with being mere images. They wanted to be like God in a more true sense. They wanted equality with God in these areas. They wanted to break from his rule and decide their lives for themselves. They wanted to rule over themselves instead of strictly be under the rulership of God. They wanted to be gods. They didn't want to be like God. They didn't want to be an example of God, be an image of God, show God to others. No, they wanted to be God themselves. Their rule over the earth wasn't enough, nor was the limited knowledge and wisdom God had given them. They wanted more. And that was kind of the core of the temptation there. So... With this, in the subsequent curse, God says that the husband will rule over the wife. This does indeed declare rulership of man over man, human over human, but this is a curse, definitely not God's ideal or original setup, like I said. Even with this new structure, it is only in the context of family. So again, to reiterate this, because this is important, there is no insinuation that other husbands rule over each other or that one man rule over many, or one husband will rule over many wives or families. Rather, as a curse, God establishes this very specific and limited aspect of rulership by one human over another in this specific context. That was what was established. So be careful trying to extrapolate even more out of that. Not that it's impossible that there is more to that, but that is not what is said. And this is what is clearly said. So there is also the aspect of Adam's curse, where it will now be difficult to obtain food from the earth. So before, God provided them with everything they needed in the garden. It's kind of like uh, the permaculture approach, where the goal of permaculture is to mimic the natural ecosystems and have land and sections of land that do produce and produce abundantly without very much input. So you have, say, a food forest where it's got a canopy layer of, say, nut trees and then some tall fruit trees and then some short fruit trees and then some berry bushes near the bottom as they stagger out towards the sun, towards the light. And then some vines that are growing up, some of these like some grapes and kiwis and herbs on the ground, strawberries at the bottom, you know, even potatoes and root crops that go underground and all this stuff. And it's really cool. And these are... Uh, things that in general are perennial, or at least they reseed, so you don't have to go back and plant them every single year. They shade out the ground and mulch the ground themselves uh, through their natural processes, so you don't really have to weed. And so this is the idea of going back to the image that we get from the Garden of Eden. And that's the idea of permaculture versus what you get with modern farming in the modern food system, where you have monocrop farming and all they do is they plant one crop and they do till the ground, they till it all up and then they plant all the seeds and then they water it all and they weed it and they harvest it and they process it and they do this, that, and the other. Um, And there's just a lot of input, difficult input from human, from the humans. Versus the more permaculture approach and the Garden of Eden approach, where the humans are just benefiting from these natural systems that God has put in place. Now, I will say that permaculture is not the Garden of Eden, and you are not going to create that in your backyard. But if you are trying to produce food for yourself, uh, in my opinion at least, it is always best to seek the ideal. What is the ideal? Well, the ideal is the way God set things up in the ideal Garden of Eden, and that was where the land produced for humankind versus humankind working and tilling the land. That was part of the curse. Do you want to uh, try to do things as much as possible within the curse or as much as possible uh, as close to the ideal as you can get? Well, I would say as close to the ideal. Now, again, even if you go the permaculture route, there still is some weeding you have to do. You still have to plant those plants originally. You still have to go out there and harvest and often process these things. There's still work you have to do. It's not like you can get rid of God's curse. Again, these are things that God established himself. You are not going to change that. This is the way God has created things to be. And so with this, the answer is, or the question is more a matter of how then do we act, given that this is the situation? And you can act Uh, very in line with the curse, uh, let's say monocropping and the modern food system, modern agriculture approach, or you can uh, do your best to stick as much as possible with this ideal model and uh, still then deal with the rest of what you still have to deal with related to the curse and the difficulty that you still have in producing food. So uh, that's kind of another example here of, of why I would choose the approaches that I choose. So the parallel society approach, I choose that because that is much more in line with the biblical ideal, not because it is uh, explicitly said in Scripture that you cannot be a part of any secular system of man. That, that is not in Scripture. Uh, and I would not say that, oh, well, if you're involved with one of man's secular systems, therefore you're not a Christian. I don't believe that's true. However, I will say that the idea and the concept of the kingdom of God and Christians making their own systems and interacting together while still being involved with individuals that are from the world, that is the ideal. And so as much as possible, I want to go towards that direction. And so the same would be true with growing your own food, raising animals, things like that. The more you can do that... In a very natural way and in an approach that is in line with this ideal picture that God has set forth, then uh, that would be the way to go by far, in my opinion. And so, um, it's also said that at the end of the curse, you will eat field plants. It didn't seem like they were eating field plants before, but this would be like row cropping. And uh, yeah, it's again the same idea of do you do more and more and more and more and more work? Or do you mimic what God has established in this more ideal picture and at least get as close as you realistically can to that? Is that the way you orient? Do you orient towards one way or the other? And uh, that's your choice. So uh, in my opinion, if we are following uh, scripture and biblical principle, we trend towards the ideal. That is always the goal. Perfection, holiness, these things that are unattainable, but yet we are to always strive for them. That is the way the Christian should act. So, moving on, since Adam's role was to subdue and rule over the earth, this turn of events that's happened with these curses made the role much more difficult. Man now had to spend much more time on resource allocation and management, resource management. So, it's increased, it increases the temptation to rule over other men as well. There's a natural desire for the idealistic life of ease, as it seemed to be in the garden. The only way to accomplish this now would be to have other men do the work for you, because as God said, the work has to be done. So either you're doing it or someone else is doing it. And if you don't want to do it and you want the life of ease, then that means somebody else has to do it. This could be done through slavery or theft or deception or trade. And all of these are easier and more effective if done as a group. They are also much easier. They are also much easier to defend from as a group. So again, we're incentivizing group behavior, and we're incentivizing. Uh, I guess the situation in general, uh, mixed with the inclination of man towards laziness, incentivizes slavery, theft, deception, or trade. Now, while trade doesn't necessarily involve any anti-biblical practices. It also is much more effective and efficient if done by groups of people, such as in a city or at a fair or at a port or so on and so forth, instead of being done on an individual basis. So again, incentivizing groups. Having groups of people, whether for trade or attack or subjection or defense, whatever the reason is, having groups of people together strongly encourages a system of government of man over man. Even simply maximizing efficiency and output of trade, resources, and production involves grouping and centralizing to some degree. While this was not dictated by God, it was not a part of the curse that God establishes and groups of people can without doubt function and organize without anyone ruling over anyone else. The new conditions post-fall were such that the temptation would be very great for kingdoms of men to be established outside of the exclusive relationship of rule by God over man. And so hopefully you can see here that because of the curse and because of the situation that man is now in, and I would say because man is inclined toward the original, ideal set of circumstances that God had set up. So God had set up things such that man was, again, easily going around and getting food, and survival wasn't much of an issue. They didn't have to work really hard, and they could enjoy and rule over God's creation the way that they were intended to. And so uh, there is this natural inclination towards these types of things that humankind has, And in addition to that, you also have that sin nature that is not discussed here explicitly, but is many other times throughout Scripture, that we have this sin nature towards certain things, and one of those things would be laziness. One of those things would be taking advantage of other people, these kinds of things. And so given all of this, that this is the situation humankind is now in, it it does incentivize people to group together. And again, whether that be to uh, farm in large plots so you can produce more food or gather more food or hunt more food or uh, specialize so every different person has a different specialty and they can specialize in that one thing, get much better at it, they can gain efficiencies and effectiveness, all of these kinds of things. And these things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. However, as people group together like this and as societies are... Uh, structured in these types of ways, it does encourage, it doesn't necessitate, but it does strongly encourage some sort of government of man over man. Now, some societies have been able to do this with governance and management and organization without a government that involves man ruling over man. So that is possible. And I've talked about examples like that in the past, but what is highly incentivized and what nearly every time ends up happening is that you end up with a government and you end up with some men ruling over other men or one man ruling over all the others. And by man, I'm not just being sexist and talking about males. I'm talking about humankind, man as in short for human, human, man, yes. So since that's the way the Bible often uh, states things, that's the way I state things as well, uh, given that I'm going over the Bible. So uh, with this, this is uh, just the way things are. Uh, The world is now hard. The curse is in effect. Uh, We do need to put forth work in order to survive, in order to take care of our families, these kinds of things. And we often group together and have governments and have different systems like this. And this is just the reality. However, again, going back to the example of Adam ruling over Eve versus man ruling over man, Adam ruling over Eve was something that God directly established. He did identify it as a curse, as not the ideal circumstance, but he established it, and this is the way it is. Now, when we get into man ruling over man... This is just the incentive that man has from their sin nature and the circumstances that man finds themselves in um, there. That is where this idea of government and man ruling over man. Uh, that's where some of that stems from. That is not something that God established and God didn't even say, Oh, I will curse you with uh, rulership of some humans over others. That, that's not there. It just doesn't exist. So, You can say that the situation produced governments, but you can't say that God was the one that established it. At least you can't say that from these verses. And so I do want to make that distinction, that because of the circumstances, it is logical that governments then start to come into being. And pretty soon you'll have Nimrod, and uh, we'll use him as an example. I don't know if that'll be, yeah, that won't be next week, but it will be coming up. Um, And Nimrod would be possibly the first king. And so we'll go over that. We'll talk about Noahide law, and there are some uh, examples that some people say, well, that's God establishing government and the role of government. And so we can go over that too. But the point is that at least As far as we've gotten, the story of Adam and Eve and the curse and the fall, uh, so far, government has not been established by God. However, we can see that government is incentivized given the circumstances that man now finds themselves in because of their own sin and their own choices. Again, God did not curse them with government, but given that they are in this situation by their own fault— They are now confronted with this uh, very likely situation of having men ruling over other men in the future. Now, I want to kind of wrap up things, I guess here. So, I guess this will be a little bit shorter of an episode than usual. Some of these will be, some of these won't be. We'll just see. It depends on how long the sections of scripture are and how much the elaboration there is on it. I'm sure when we finally get into the Sermon on the Mount and we go over salt and light. Uh, That will either be like a three-hour episode or a multi-part episode, whereas going over the story of Adam and Eve from this perspective and only drawing out mostly these things related to the Christian and the state and these principles that we're setting up as foundations for the rest of this study, uh, yeah, that's not going to take us a full hour. So, uh, yeah. So, moving on, the final thing I do want to go over would be a quote from David Lipscomb from his book On Civil Government. And if you want a book that uh, talks about the relationship between uh, the Christian and the state, uh, this would be a great one. On Civil Government. Government is one of my favorites. It's relatively short and easy to go through, extremely good. He wrote it around the time of the Civil War. Uh, so it's not new, but it's also not super old. And he makes some really good points. So uh, this comes from that, and it seemed very relevant. Now, this again is David Lipscomb, and he says or writes quote, In the beginning, God created the earth and all that therein is. Over the material world and all the lower creation, he gave man control. Quote, then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." End quote. New quote, "And the Lord God commanded the man." End quote. Without reference to what the command was, this indicates that while God committed the government of the undercreation to man, he reserved to himself the right and prerogative of governing man. God would govern and guide man, man would govern the under-creation, and so the whole world would be held under the government of God, man immediately, and the under-creation through man. But man refused to be governed by God. First, as an individual, he violated the specific command of God, quote, "...a little leaven leavens the whole lump," Galatians 5.9. "...this leaven of disobedience wrought the rejection of the divine government." and was transmitted to the family, to the tribe, to the race. Quote, While his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Matthew 13.25 When man was off to guard, the enemy of God and man implanted the seeds of distrust and disaffection, and the heart, the mind, and the life of man became disloyal to God. But the certain serpent said to the woman, quote, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, Genesis 3, 4-5. The act of individual disobedience culminated in the effort of man to organize a government of his own, so that he himself might permanently conduct the affairs of earth, free from the control of God and independent of God's government. And that was David Lipscomb on civil government. So, yes, he makes a a very similar point that the role of man is to govern God's creation. That is our role. We are to fulfill that role of governance. However, the role of God is to govern man. And so anytime we go outside of that, if man tries to govern God, or if man tries to govern man, or if the under-creation tried to govern man, uh, none of these things fit with the way that God established things. God established it where God rules man. God is the only uh, government over man. God is the ruler over man. And then, in turn, man rules over creation. And man is the only one that rules over creation and is doing so through the government of God. And that is the way that things were set up. That is the way God says things um, were to be. He says that it was good. He says that multiple times. And so to go against that and to uh, start systems where man rules over man or to insinuate, like some of the environmentalist groups do, that creation should govern the affairs of man That, oh, well, you know, because of this animal species and this ecosystem and all of these kinds of things, we need to X, Y, Z. Now, with the caveat here that uh, I would totally agree that part of our role as humankind and taking care of God's creation is to be a good steward of the earth. So if the argument by an environmentalist person is that we need to take good care of the earth, uh, that could be a good thing. If the argument is that we're in a situation where either man continues or this species continues and picking the species over humankind who was created in the image of God, that that would not be a biblical thing. Now, hopefully we never find ourselves in that situation, but I have a feeling we have and will. So um, this is just to say that at least as far as we've gotten through this story of Adam and Eve, and we'll move on from here and cover some other examples of uh, other times that these types of things come up. But at least until now, God is the one with the right to rule. Man only has the right to rule over God's creation, not over man itself. And so we're going to have to, if we want an argument for the existence of the state and Uh, We want to make a biblical argument for why man should rule over man. We will have to find that somewhere else. And I say that uh, slightly sarcastically because we will not, at least unless there's something I have overlooked that we uh, divinely come across. I I don't think that's going to happen. But it is good to go over all of these things and to truly understand the why and uh, how God set things up, how they ought to be, what are ways that they should not be and trying to uh, go through all these things in order to learn how then should we live, how then should we act, and why. Why are we acting this way? Is it truly biblical? How can we back that up? How do we uh, give an account for the things that we do believe when we're asked? And These are the types of things that we need to know as Christians, especially in the world that we live in. We all have friends, family, people we come across that have very different opinions than us on these things. Heck, I know some of my listeners have different opinions than me on some of these things, and that's perfectly okay. But what I am trying to do, at least in this season, is to mainly go from Scripture and Hopefully, if I can stick to that and uh, limit my opinions, or at least state them as my opinions as I go through, then uh, for the most part, the things that we cover on this show and this season will be biblical things that are going to be pretty hard to disagree with unless you disagree with a biblical story. And so that is the goal, that at least from a Christian perspective, we can really draw out uh, what is the relationship between... Uh, The Christian and the state? And what is the way that we should live and act, given the situation that we are in in a corrupt and immoral world? We are in the kingdom of man. Uh, How is the kingdom of God supposed to function within the kingdom of man? What does that look like? What is that structure? What are the individual actions and why? Uh, These are the types of things that we will be answering in this season. So, With that, I will go ahead and just wrap it up there. And the next episode, which, again, uh, apologetically, I will say that that will be two weeks from now, since I am having now to stretch these out to every other week. But the uh, lesson that will come then will be Noahide Law. This will come from Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, will be the parts that I will be reading, at least. And uh, this is where, if you're familiar with God saying, The bit about by, uh, what is it? If a human life is taken, then by a human being, his own blood be shed. Uh, There's something, uh, depending on the translation you go with, something along that. It's the blood-for-blood principle, and uh, that's what we're talking about. And is this something that establishes an organized government or says what a government should or shouldn't do? A lot of people go to the death penalty. They go to the establishment of government. They go to a lot of things with this section, with Noahide Law. It will, again, be another slightly shorter section. I think a lot of these Old Testament ones will be. Uh, But that's where we will go to next, because chronologically, at least as far as I could tell, that was the next really big one when it comes to, uh, again, God's what God's word says about the relationship of man ruling over man and these types of things and all the related aspects. So that will be next time. Until then, if you are interested in more information or want to listen to more, if you especially if you're new to the podcast, then you should definitely go back and uh, see what else there has been up until now. And uh, I guess now that I'm done with season four, there is a very convenient episode that you can go to to learn more about that. And that would be episode 4.23. It's titled Wrap Up of season four. And uh, what that is, is I go back through uh, basically the beginning of the podcast, first episode of season one all the way through the beginning of season 5 and kind of go over the concepts and topics that are covered, how it's structured, all these kinds of things. So if you're new to the show and you want to know well, what has been what has been talked about and what has been covered and uh, what has been before season 5, then uh, listen to that episode and that'll give you a good feel for that. That's episode 4.23. I'll try to link that in the show notes and just in general if there's more you want to know always feel free to reach out Uh, my email address is ourfoundations at protonmail.com there's also the website you can check out ourfoundations.podbean.com and you can stream episodes from the website some podcast players only go back so far so if you're going back to season one uh, some of them will cut you off at like season three and it won't go back that many episodes ago so you can go to the website they're all there and you can even just browse through them Uh, there was a section where there is a section where I have an outline of the podcast that has not been updated in quite a while but it at least goes through season I guess 3 maybe something like that Um, and I will update that at some point for season 4 and season 5 but there's more information you can get there I've got some book resources um, other podcasts I've listened to I've got a page on the website for guest appearances on other shows that I've been interviewed on Uh, That one's also not been updated. And now that I think about it, there's probably three or four that aren't on there. So I'll try to update those as well. Uh, Again, I don't have a whole lot of time, to be perfectly honest. And so, uh, yeah, usually it takes a while for the updates to happen. But there is a decent bit of stuff on the website. Feel free to check that out. Feel free to reach out. If you haven't done so, please leave a rating and a review for the podcast on whatever you're listening on. Or if you can't do that on your podcast player, then... Uh, do it some other way if you are willing to do, because that is very helpful, whether through Apple or Spotify or whatever the things are. So with that, I will just be done, and we will come back next time talking about Noahide Law. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you especially to the financial supporters on Patreon and Subscribestar. Thank you very much. You are what pays for this podcast. So thank you. With that, I'm out of here, and I'll be back next time. I'm out. Peace. This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye.